It's all right, sir. Oh my god. <laughs> you just know we're good. <laughs> Okay, do you want to put them up so everyone can see who you are? Yeah. I know they don't stick up very well these tables. So... Is that your one? Yes. Okay. So, um, I'm very pleased to welcome everyone for the start of our second debate, um, arguing for the motion, Western museums should agree to repatriate cultural artefacts. From Oak Grove Integrated College, we have Therese Forrester, uh, who's currently studying English, RE, and Maths, and in the future, she would like to enter into a career in psychology. Uh, she enjoys kite flying and playing the piano, uh, as well as her colleague, Annie Doherty, uh, who's currently studying English, Maths, RE, and Spanish, and in the future, hopes to pursue a career in English literature or Spanish. Uh, outside school, she enjoys the performing arts, playing piano, guitar, and participating in lively debates. And I hope we have one for you here today. Can we please welcome Oak Grove into the And joining us from St. Columns, uh, debating first, we have Peter Madden, who is a student of history, English literature, German and Spanish, and he intends to study history and German, hopefully at the University of Oxford. Uh, he's the deputy head at St. Columns, sorry, deputy head boy at St. Columns, not to be confused, uh, and is on and, and is himself an aspiring diplomat, uh, having uh, been a representative for Ireland at the Euro Schools event in the European Parliament uh, and as part of the Rotary Youth Leadership Development Programme uh, and has served as a UK German Youth Ambassador. Uh, he says his heroes include Jacqueline Smith and Elton John. <laughs> I quite like Elton John, I don't know who you're right. Uh, and arguing alongside him is Jack McGeehan, who studies physics, maths, English literature, and Spanish. Uh, he's part of the Sutton Trust US-UK programme and he hopes to major in astrophysics uh, with a minor in economics at Yale University. Uh, outside of school, Jack is a keen Gaelic football and rugby player and he lists his heroes as Ernest Hemingway, Nietzsche and also Jacqueline Smith. Can we please welcome the Scientology <laughs> So, um, I'm also really pleased to welcome two new judges to our uh, panel, um, as well as welcoming back Professor John Thompson. Um, so, uh, to introduce Gerard Hughes, who's sitting in the middle there. Um, Gerard is uh, an educational consultant and project manager at Sentinus. Uh, he started work as a teacher, uh, as head of science, and then as a vice principal of a grammar school, and for the past 18 years, He's been self-employed working uh, as an educational consultant engaged in contracts uh, with Sentinus and Imperial College London. Uh, he's a past president of the Institute of Biology of Ireland and currently sits on their board council. Uh, he is actively a member, in, sorry, he's actively involved as a member of the Northern Ireland Committee uh, of the Association of Science Education, is that right, ASE? Uh, and serves as a board member on the Irish American Alumni Association. Uh, I'm also really pleased to have Marie-Louise Sinnott, who's the president of the Literific Society, our hosts here uh, at Queen's University Belfast. Uh, Marie-Louise uh, studied a master's in aerospace engineering and has a focus on 3D printing and wind tunnel testing, which sounds really cool. And um, during her time, uh, she's interned for a year at Schlumberger, a multinational oil and gas services company, and has been involved in Sentinus uh, as 
and engineering solutions ambassador uh, and volunteered as a tutor with HMP uh, Yock Hyde Bank. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, she's been on the committee of the Literific for five years uh, and was our host last year as well as this uh, and has judged, chaired uh, numerous events with the Literific Society including uh, schools competitions and coordinating our being here today. Can we please welcome all of our judges? So, we've seen one of these debates already. Uh, Therese, would you like to start us off your three minutes on Western museums should agree to repatriate cultural artefacts whenever you're ready? Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to present you why Western museums must repatriate stolen artefacts. We are a part of the Western world. We are the champions of our era. We have the most money, power and stolen artefacts on this planet. In failing to repatriate these artefacts, Western museums are not only guilty of the theft of, ancient, of, pri of priceless ancient societal triumphs, but the theft of today's societies, cultural identities and backgrounds. You may ask this is an issue of the past. Surely the world of today cannot be held accountable. Yet if that were the case, how could any wrong ever be resolved? We cannot forget the importance of state succession for our society to ever progress. In removing these artefacts from her, their historical origins, you lose context and meaning. How can you truly grasp the brilliance of the Greek marbles in the British Museum, when instead they could be adored and marveled just 200 metres from the Parthenon itself? Isn't it more important for the rightful countries to learn about their history than for us to learn about the paragons of art we brutally robbed? Many have tried to defend the punitive raids, raids and explicit thefts as spoils of war, Yet these spoils of war create the number one tourist attraction in England, reaping in five million visitors each year. Imagine the outrage you would feel at seeing the oppressor not only get away with the crime, but pull in an infinite reward for it. In refusing these repatriations, it only means museums stand for something morally wrong, supporting a sense of entitlement over something they don't even own, from the Nef Nef Nefertiti bust to the old fisherman of Aphrodisias. My opponents may tell you that museums help to teach people of our nation, enriching them in historical culture, but no, we are sending our generations the message to take what they want through fear and force, to flaunt stolen masterpieces and heritage in the not-so-great British Museum thousands of miles from their home. Is this really what museums stand for? Thank you very much. Peter. The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. These words, spoken by Abraham Lincoln, describe the essence, I believe, of this debate from both a historical and legal dimension. From this angle, I'll argue Western museums are just in retaining the artefacts, while Jack will argue that this, these museums are the perfect and only environment in which they can be kept. In our 21st century society, in which the law is ever in keeping with our views and beliefs, we view past societies as fundamentally lacking in knowledge of what is right and what constitutes legality. As such, many believe that Lord Elgin, for example, unlawfully negotiated with the Ottoman Empire, an imperialistic occupying force, to remove the Parthenon marbles back to Britain against the will of the Greek people. Elgin's permission to remove the marbles, however, was wholly legitimate, even if it was granted by the occupying Ottomans. Conquering occupation and foreign governments are all common themes throughout history. 
These concepts may seem strange to us today, but it was the way the then world worked. The Ottomans had ruled Athens for centuries when Elgin acquired the marbles. For us to say his permission was invalid, we'll be saying that not a single governmental decision reached in Athens for over, over 300 years was valid. A ridiculous argument. Today's Greek government also demands repatriation of the marbles and anything related to the Parthenon because it represents a fundamental element of Greek nationhood. When the marbles were acquired, however, the Parthenon was completely dilapidated, a ruined building in the middle of a military encampment of such little importance to the local people that they used it as a quarry. It was from this site of insignificance that Elgin took the marbles, and it was only later, when Greece gained independence, that a hitherto absent importance was placed on the Parthenon and its contents. The historical contribution that artefacts have made to Western nations must also be considered. Over time, they have become just as much part of their cultural heritage as that of the original nations. The Nefertiti bust in Das Neues Museum in Berlin, for example, played a crucial role in the development of the Art Deco movement in Germany, a unique style to other nations because of its Egyptian influences. After its unveiling, fashion and architecture, for example, were profoundly impacted. The German government and nation ferociously reject any demand for repatriation, stating that over the past 100 years it has become a key part of German culture. Indeed, some even believe it has become more German than Egyptian, with one newspaper famously stating the bust has been above ground and visible in Berlin for far longer than it ever was in Egypt. The case of the Elgin Marbles and Nefertiti bust are but two examples of the many artefacts that Western museums have rightfully acquired and should rightfully attain, especially when they're considered in light of their historical context and the cultural impact they've made on Western nations. Thank you very much, Peter. Annie, can we have your three minutes, please? Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to discuss the repatriation of artefacts to their home countries. First, ladies and gentlemen, I urge you to consider the fact that failing to repatriate these artefacts, Western countries are not only committing a material theft, as it may seem, no, they are also stealing the cultural identities and backgrounds of the countries to which the artefact rightfully belongs. In refusing to repatriate artefacts such as the Greek marbles and the Rosetta Stone, we are depriving people in Greece and Egypt from essential parts of their culture. When the British Empire declined and gave many of its states independence, Britain subsequently gave up the right to retain artefacts which are no longer theirs in any way, shape or form. Western museums, in keeping these artefacts, are making the end of correct and offensive assumption that they in some way take better care of the artefact than a museum in the home country. This, I think, is rich considering that the Parthenon marbles were actually damaged in the British Museum by two historians who used harsh cleaning agents on them. My opponents may tell you that the repatriation of artefacts distracts from the turmoils of historically wronged groups. I put it to you, however, that the first step in righting the wrongs that are faced by these groups is returning their artefacts as a means of trying to patch up what happened in the past. Besides, through modern technology, we in the Western world can research online the cultures and artefacts of other countries without having to retain them, and thus we can allow these countries to receive their cultural heritage. Western countries today 
are still making money from the artifacts that they have not repatriated. This is dirty money. It is not their profit to make. Greece, in these times of economic struggle, is really losing its marbles and could probably do with them back. (laughs) Yet, Western countries continue to reap economical rewards, which should be going, in most cases, to countries which are in a higher need of the money. My opponents may also tell you that it is almost legally and physically impossible to repatriate these artefacts. Almost being the operative word. This, I think, again, is rich considering that Britain recently lent the Parthenon marbles to Russia. Britain is acting like a spoiled child here. No, Greece, you can't have your marbles back. But watch while Russia and I play with them. Legality should not be an issue, as state succession allows us to decipher which modern-day state the artefact should belong to. At the end of the day, my opponents could and probably will throw many statistics at you, but none of that matters. The only statistic that really matters is that it is 100% immoral not to repatriate artefacts which aren't rightfully yours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jack, the final word is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter's already spoken about the legitimacy of the West's acquisition of these artefacts, but I will go further by saying that not only do I think it's clear that these institutions are far from a part of our past that we should be ashamed of, but can and must be a cornerstone of our civilization if we want to build a society which cherishes cultural diversity, not one embittered by grown divisions. Now, of course, not everyone agrees. One commentator went so far as to say that the idea that Britain or the West looks after the Parthenon marbles or Benin heads better than Greece or Nigeria is deeply offensive. However, I think it is a responsible and enlightened choice. I'll use these two examples as fitting representations of a broader issue. Focusing first on the Benham heads, supporters of the motion claim that their career in Nigeria would be both beneficial to the nation itself and to the artifacts. This is a country which only last year ranked fourth most affected in the world by the Global Terrorism Index, and the British government warns its own citizens to avoid travelling there. They are the only African nation yet to eradicate polio and have a life expectancy lower than that of governmentless Somalia. This is hardly a nation fit to accept the responsibility of, of curators as treasures. And while this is unfortunate, the acknowledgement of these facts is not, is not offensive. My second example is the Parthenon marbles. Firstly, it puzzles me how Greece can claim to be the victims of cultural theft while they themselves hold collections of Egyptian and Near Eastern artifacts in their National Archaeology Museum. Secondly, the British Museum's exhibition of the Parthenon marbles offers something unique to this type of institution, the real context. The marbles are held in an exhibit which holds images of Hercules and the Buddha from modern-day Afghanistan and Pakistan, showing how Greek art, like the marbles, helped Buddhism invent its own classical and figurative tradition in the 3rd century. And this is only one example. This cultural cross-pollination happened here in the West, The Art Deco Peter mentioned even something so quintessentially British as the works of Agatha Christie could not have been conceived had it not been for the lasting impact the British Museum's Egyptian exhibit had on the British psyche. We need to see that these small connections between what we see as our culture and different cultures across the world are vital parts of our history that allow culture and society to evolve. Repatriation of these works would only reinforce the blatantly harmful nationalist idea that certain cultures belong in certain places. It obscures the fact that our history is not just a history, 
of the, our own ancestors or the land we live in, but the history of all peoples in all places. We must endeavour to see that monolithic cultural narratives are entirely false to imagine each other's diverse cultural histories as they are, part of one shared inseparable tapestry. Nowhere else can make us face up to this most awe-inspiring of truths, like these collections of cultural artefacts, these bastions of true world heritage, the museums of the West. Thank you very much. So judges, should they stay or should they go? John, can we have your questions first for Therese and Annie, the Oak Grove integrated team, please? Yeah, uh, very interesting. Um, what about the idea that museums are protectors of the global heritage we all enjoy? Above these narratives you're giving us of colonial aggression and conquest, that really those narratives belong to the 19th century. Thank you. Um, Marie-Louise, if we could have your question for the girls, please. Um, yeah, I think you'll sort of touch upon by both the girls. Um, you yes? No, sorry, you go. Um, so you mentioned the word rightful in your speech, um, both both of you, and I just sort of um, it was sort of glossed over of why rightful, like what what is the definition of that in terms of this motion? Thank you. And uh, finally, Gerard. Well, the point I'd like to make is: uh, is it not better? It's not the lesser of two evils that a museum, a Western museum, holds an artifact, whereas it's a point that you made to me, that it's open to terrorism, maybe as you can see what's happening, for example, in Syria and in uh, Iraq and Gaza, where artifacts are being destroyed. Is it not better to hold it? Thank you. Um, so do you guys want to deal with the questions that have been put to you? Um, well, I'd first like to respond to Jared's question about terrorism there. Um, I'd just like to say that I don't think we can assume where and when we'll be affected by terrorism. Um, for example, such events as 9-11, uh, which were committed by terrorist groups, were not expected one bit, and Britain is still under the same uh, vulnerability that America was at that time. Also, um, Britain uh, and other countries obtained these artefacts and had them in their museums during World Wars 1 and 2 and no fuss was made about them then so why was it okay to keep the Parthenon marbles in Britain during times of war when they could have been bombed when it is not okay now apparently to keep them in their original countries when they could be bombed um, I'll take yeah. uh, for Louise what it means to be rightful is like uh, the Greeks created the Parthenon marbles and so it is theirs, for if you were to steal something, it wouldn't be yours. Like, you created it, it's yours. For example, um, if I were to take the watch from your wrist right now that you bought um, last week, per se. Uh, say, for example, I think one of the boys mentioned there in their speech that um, it's a matter of the fact that Britain have had the... Uh, the Nefertiti, or Ge Ge the Germans have had the Nefertiti bust above ground longer than the Egyptians had it. If uh, Mary Louise here had a watch and I stole it a week after you'd bought it and kept it for 50 years, it would still have been your watch in the first place. It is not my watch. Do you want to finally kind of come to John's question, which I think kind of relates to what you just said? Um, yeah, your question was about the fact that uh, museums are special. Museums are supposed to protect the artifacts, am I right? Um, they're universal, they stand above nationalism, politics and stuff, they're, they're universal. 
the thing is that if a museum is universal, surely it should stand by what culture is defined as. And what culture is defined as is a, a set of ideals or beliefs that belong to one specific group or society. A particular people. A particular people. It's not a wide range thing, it's not spread. For if you were to wear a bindi and you weren't a Hindu, it would be appropriation. So for you to take another culture, it is wrong. Not that other cultures can't be appreciated by countries from which they're not, but as I mentioned in my speech, uh, these cultures can be appreciated online in the Western world and still be marvelled at in their original locations in their home countries. Do you guys want to come back on that? Yeah, I would have the No, no. Sorry. <laughs> Judges, please jump the gun. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about uh, Lindsay wearing, you know, Westerners wearing Bindi's. It's not a matter of race though, it's a matter of religion. So yeah. if you were to be if you were a white person who converted to Hinduism, then it would be appropriate for you to wear the bindi, but it's not appropriate for anyone who's not a Hindu to wear the bindi is the point that Here's a question, let's be sophisticated. What if you marry a different religion and you don't convert, but you go to a service of your partner's religion? Well, if, cons if it's considered respectful. But theft is not respectful. The way these marbles were obtained was not a respectful way. And so it's like not comparable to something like marriage, which is like a love, celebration of love. Judges, do you want to come back on anything else? Um, I sort of think about like, well, back to, back to the sort of original point is that, like, I see your point about the watch, right? So if I had a watch and you took it off my ground, but that watch, but being on my wrist, that watch does not belong to Britain, doesn't belong to Ireland, doesn't belong to my family, that's mine. The people that originally invented these, they might be Greek, or they're not necessarily the Greeks. You know, like, there's no, there was no sort of like lineage of who that artifact was to go to, and as the opposition sort of pointed out, that um, this the land was occupied. So I don't know, I can't really see the reasoning of, well, the Greeks made it, therefore all of Greek. Oh yeah, Elgin originally went in and decided, told the Greeks that he would be just there to take measurements and maybe a few samples of the marbles and then he changed his mind and decided to brutally rob them. Okay, okay. Um, judges, I'm now going to ask you to turn your attention um, to Peter and Jack. Can we have your question for the boys please? And Marie-Louise, starting with you, if we can. Um, yeah, so I, I sort of thought, it's it sort of came to my mind, where do we stop? Like, you were sort of saying, absolutely, no, never, we're not giving them back, ever. So, I um, heard something the other day about tourists that have been in um, Italy, and they've, they've taken things from um, national history sites, things like that, the Colosseum, and they're now fining tourists for having these artefacts. So, is there a middle ground? Is there something that you would maybe concede instead of saying, no, never, not our fault. Thank you. And um, Gerard, if we could have your question, please. Well, one of our core Western values is justice. Um, 
I'm just thinking, where is the justice in holding on to something that actually doesn't belong to? Originally it's on square. It belongs to someone else or another culture. You know, I just wonder where in terms of upholding Western values, core Western values, where is the justice in Thank you. Finally, John. Yeah, would you make a distinction between, uh, you're very, um, it's nice to see the bodies and columns in here, but kind of the, the imperial squabbles you're talking about between Greek, uh, Greece and Turkey in the 19th century and the plundering by Nazis of a whole generation or more of Jewish treasures that have ended up in state museums. Would you not give those back to people who've suffered enough? Whenever you're ready. Um, I think Jared's point first um, about justice and taking these things from simply they belong to certain people. I'd like to just first point out that the people who made these things, these ancient Greeks, aren't people who live in Greece today. Ancient Egyptians aren't who live in uh, uh, Egypt today. The Parthenon was made to um, worship Athena, and I think you would certainly find someone who worships Athena in modern Greece. It, it, it's especially an Orthodox Christian country. These aren't the same people culturally. This is a cultural debate. They, culturally, they aren't the same people. Um, secondly, just on the point of repatriation to the country where it belongs to, there's two options for that. Either it goes to the capital of the country where the national museums are. For that example, I'd like say, hypothetically, say the West had a Tibetan artifact. Does it go to Beijing? I don't, I don't think that's... Tibet is culturally different from, from Eastern China as we are from Tibet. I don't think they'd be happy with it. Uh, if not that, then does it go to the place where it was found originally? And in that case, are we suggesting that we should, instead of having these artifacts in collections, where people can come and observe them in their majesty and they can be looked after well together, that we have them dotted out all over the world, where someone will take a year out to visit the amount of artifacts they could visit in a day in the British History Museum? And I'd like to come to John's question uh, comparing the actions of the British taking part part in marbles and that of the Nazis. I don't really think that they can be um, compared to one another. I think that the actions of the Nazis were in no way legal. It was very much plunder in that sense. But as I've alluded to in my speech, there was a sense of legality in Britain's taking of the part in the marbles. Now that might not be what our understanding of legality is today, but it was what the 19th century uh, idea of legality was, and we can't view the past with our 21st century lenses and our condescending look on the past. We may not understand the past, but we still have to respect it. And I just admire that we spoke about where do we stop. Firstly, I would say that I think stealing from a Colosseum, things like that, that's... I think those tourists aren't bringing them back to be shown in the British National History Museum or in the Disney uh, Museum in, in, in Brunner, or even in any of these Western museums. That's for personal collections, I would say that the personal collections are held by some secret societies. That's not just, that isn't for the benefit of people. I would just point out that 6.7 million people visit the British Museum per annum, and each one of those people come away with respecting these things. Stealing um, from, from, the, from these sites, that's, that's not respect these artifacts, whereas these institutions, it's a, it's a wholly respectful way to deal with these artifacts. And I think it's interesting if we take it from the opposite, opposite perspective of where do we stop. If these artifacts are repatriated, then where do we stop? Does the British Museum is full of artifacts from the rest of the world. If we do indeed um, condone repatriation, what will be left? I think we could even get to a stage where 
the American Declaration of Independence. It was written when the Americans were in the British colony. They were, the framers were culturally British. Does Britain have a right to store the Declaration of Independence in the British Museum? Just where can we stop? I want to bring our judges back in because I don't have a lot of time left. I'm really intense here because uh, the Nazis, if you didn't believe it, the Nazis passed laws to say the Jews weren't human. So legally, if we respect the, the former age of law, the Nazis' laws mean we will take what we want. Seven and a half million. How many million died under the Nazis legally, if you're going to use that argument? And shouldn't their descendants have a right to their property because they can't have their relatives back? I think again, to come back to the point I made uh, towards my Louise question, is that the Nazis took things from the Jews, killed Jews, made laws to make their lives ridiculously difficult. I don't think that's anything to do with benefiting culture, benefiting people, scientifically, cultural research, that doesn't come under that. These museums in the West today are solely for the purpose of scientific research, cultural research, benefiting humanity as a whole. And I don't think there's any argument that can be made to say that the Nazis did that towards the Jews. It was purely discriminatory. I don't think it comes into the argument at all. And I do think the Nazi argument is very pertinent and it's, it's, it's very... Um, it, because it is still within living memory. There are still people that experience the Holocaust. But there are... Lord Elgin is not around. The Ottomans that give him permission are not around. I don't think that, um, I think there has to be a point at which we can say the past is the past. We can't keep opening up new wounds. The Nazis, on the other hand, that is something still from living memory and does have to be dealt with by duty, etc. Okay, um, so on that note, uh, I'm now going to come out to the audience. We've run out of time for our judges' questions. Audience, George, what do you think? Should we keep them? Should we give them back? Up here, name the school, please. David O'Connor, she College College. I'd uh, just like to ask, uh, you said that culture was tied down to a specific place and a set of ideas, but uh, culture isn't exactly confined in one place. I mean, the culture of the United States, and especially now, you see in social media and everything, uh, it's been globalised and it's reached the Western world, it's reached Africa, Australia, and every single part of the world. Yep, thank you. Hey? Peter Emerson, Dariana, I was in Um, can I ask, who's, who's your question for behind? Is it for the boys? Yeah, so go ahead. Name and school. Uh, Rachel Hastings, Ariana. Um, give the example of the Nazis and because they're in living memory. Uh, what do you think about Native Americans, of which there are still many people today? Do we think that we should get white America to give them back their land because they're still in living memory, even though that happened a long time, a long, long time? Thank you. Ben? Um, question for the opposition. Um, Dara out of school, Ben Kazin. Um, you spoke of like cultural diversity being appreciated by the fact that these artifacts are remaining in the country. But artifacts, as you also said, can temporarily be passed from country to country as kind of a exhibit. For example, Tutankhamun's tomb, artifacts from it were given to Britain temporarily to exhibit, and that kind of showcased cultural diversity but they still remain in Egypt, and surely that's a much fairer system to both appreciate cultural diversity and give the artifacts to who they belong to. Thank you, up the front here, name of school. Uh, Ruben Foley, St. Collins. I have a part to the proposition. 
Uh, for the sake of cultural awareness and representation, should an artifact stay in places bound to receive most visitors? For example, many UK universities are externally funded and therefore don't charge for UC exhibits. So surely accessibility must be promoted for the sake of awareness and respect for said artifacts. Thank you. And can I ask who your question's for? Uh, Alright, I'll allow it and then finally from you. Yeah. So so your question first, yeah. Quick. Um I agree with this and always just like to combine something you said about uh, a cultural of belongs to a certain place. Do you think that's quite a dangerous view that uh fosters radical nationalism? Thank you and behind who's your question for? Can I I'm gonna come out to you first next time, I promise. But um Girls, do you want to deal with Theresa and Annie? Do you want to deal with the questions that have been put to you first and then um, we'll move on to the boys? Yeah. Uh, for Peter, yeah. Uh, well, in relation to like the Holocaust Museum in Israel, it's really dependent on how these artefacts are taken. So obviously uh, all the artefacts that will be used in the Israel Museum would be like from the lost lives of the Jewish who like, have lost ownership over through it, but they weren't taken disrespectfully. So it's here to like spread the knowledge, but through a much better way than, for example, the British Museum with the marbles. Um, I was just going to say in answer to David's question about culture being a worldwide thing. Um, I think that although you are right about culture being a thing that should be shared between everyone, people still have a right to learn about their own heritage. And personally, I would think that it's more important for someone in perhaps Egypt to learn about the Nefertiti bust than it is for someone in Germany to learn about the Nefertiti bust because although it is in a debatably good place in a German museum it is the Egyptian people who need to learn about the Nefertiti bust because it is part of their history and their culture. Oh and that actually relates to Michael's question about um, uh, culture being limited to one specific group of people and at that becoming dangerous. I think that that's quite an extreme way of thinking whereas um, I think that if you view it in the correct light it can actually be seen as uh, doing the opposite because um, it's more, it's less about culture belonging to one group of people, it's more that if you use someone else's culture it's disrespectful to that group of people and um uh, Ronan was it? Yeah, oh, uh, you were on about cultural awareness and how it brings in the most visitors, but there's a case with uh, the chess pieces. Yeah, uh, there's like in Scotland we have 11 pieces of an uh, ancient chess set, and then in England we've got the other 89, and that's just like not working. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's not yeah. fair yeah. for England to have the 89 pieces of a chess set which rightfully belongs to Scotland. Okay. Um, so, uh, boys, do you now want to take the questions that have been put to you? Um, yeah. I think I'd like to do it with Peter's question about the question Israeli Museum. I think that, of course, again, the Holocaust, it was a very horrible event. But by definition of the proposition's argument, you shouldn't have seen anything in the museum in Israel anyway. Because you're associating Israel with the Jewish population. But these artefacts that are being made by the Jews are from all over the world. So they should have been in France, in Britain, in Germany. I can understand your point, but by definition of their argument, they shouldn't have even been in the museum in Israel anyway. I pick up Peter's point for that. I think it is, as I said in my speech, a very, very dangerous idea. Do you start going around and saying that certain cultures belong in certain places? Do you say that these things, because they were made by Jewish people, belong in Israel, solely in Israel? 
do things that were do, do, do people who were who were the culture of people lineages that that came from certain places do they only belong in those places is, is that, where, where that that's where that goes that's where that idea ends up um, and just to follow one, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get your name, but I heard there was a bit of noise. What's your name, sorry? Rachel. Rachel, sorry. Rachel, you said about Native American land. Um, I'd like to firstly say, and it is a bit of a sore topic, um, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but if we say that we should give all Native Americans back to land in America, should um, Irish farmers who were displaced during the plantation, should they get their land back here? Um, and then on the second point, that the motion is about cultural artifacts, not about um, land, I don't think that comes in it at all. Well, it, is, it is terribly unfortunate, but it's not a cultural artifact. It poses no cultural benefit. Um, that, that this, this land simply doesn't, so I don't think it's part of the argument. And then on to Ben's point uh, about, about cultural loans, I think it was these things, traveling exhibits. Um, I think if we're looking at this through the lens of repatriation, uh, as far as loans back to their country are concerned, I think this is still incredibly dangerous. Um, as, as for, well, for one thing, the billion heads I've put in my, um, in my speech would be repatriated to um, Nigeria, which, sorry, would be repatriated to Nigeria, um, a country whose main operating terrorist group is Boko Haram, uh, recently aligned the ISIL, tame destroyers of some of the world's most precious historic artifacts outside of museums. Um, there's plenty of other uh, examples around the world. Really, and the safety of these artifacts is paramount. Okay, and now I'm going to have to cut, cut you off. Um, guys, do you want to put questions to each other? Oak Grove, I'm going to ask you first. Do you have a question for St. Columns? Um, yeah, um, museums such as the British Museum, for example, have um, 3.5 million objects inside of their collections. Do you not think that they can afford to return at least some of these objects to their home countries? Um, I need to respond to that by saying that the idea that they could be even that they could be returned to their home countries is ridiculous. It, it just is. The idea that we can take these marbles and return them to ancient Athens. I'm sorry, I know this is back to the future day, but unless one of you have a time machine, that's not happening. Um, and again, I think the idea that you said that there are so many. The British Museum isn't a static institution, and it hasn't been the same exhibitions there since it opened. It's continually changing exhibitions, it's dipping in and out of its archives, and I think that it's continually rotating, and it needs this vast amount of artefacts to really complement their main artefacts. As Jack yeah. says, they provide a whole plethora of different items surrounding, for example, the Parthenon marbles. Everything in the British Museum has a role to play. Do you want to come back on them? Um, just uh, that, as you're saying about uh, everything having its role to play, do you not think that the role that the Parthenon marbles should be playing is that role of being by the Parthenon where they were made and where they should be? And uh, as the Parthenon is considered to be one of the uh, pillars of Western architecture today, don't you think that the, all of the Parthenon marble should be marvelled at where it was originally meant to be? You talk quite a lot about um, the idea that the internet will help us if these are all repatriated, we'll still be able to see these things. And then you're saying that these Parthenon marbles, they'll be in a museum beside the Parthenon, not within the Parthenon. So therefore, can we not just hold up a picture of the Parthenon beside them in the British Museum? Would it not be doing the same job? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like both teams can go quite a long way with that argument. Boys, do you want to now put the question to your opponents? Um, I think that you're talking about that I think that 
it's repatriation can also help resolve the issues of the past, that um, conflicts between countries. But as we know, as humans, conflict isn't resolved easily. And I think that by starting this whole repatriation debate and by repatriating items will only open up more wounds. And we know better than anywhere else in Northern Ireland that the past is very difficult to resolve. One simple repatriation. You asked your question. Guys, do you want to come back on them? Uh, yeah, well, um, they're not like reopening old wounds because these old wounds are already open. Like, uh, simply by returning like some of these artifacts, you would like solve a lot of social unrest. But my, I'm gonna, do you want to add anything? Yeah, it's just that um, obviously repatriating these artifacts is not going to go the whole way in resolving every wrong that was made in the past. That's not the point we're making. The point that we're making is that what morally should be done, regardless of whether it opens up a can of old worms, which is eventually going to have to be opened anyway, is that these artifacts morally should be returned to their countries, regardless of whether or not it resolves every wrong that was committed by the country which took them in the first place. I think that even if we were to repatriate every single one of these artifacts, it would not not right every wrong in the past. And since it wouldn't, I can't see why we don't use these artifacts and these institutions to move forward, building a better future. As I said, one which cherishes cultural diversity, one which sees the links between different cultures, but we see different cultures, which really one shared heritage. And Northern Ireland, again, if I'm just come back to this, it's all about our shared history is the way we can resolve past conflicts. But there's no better way of showing our shared history than if we have the British Museum okay. on all these different artifacts. Girls, do you want to, and they're, you, they're asking you a question, do you want to come back on them? Yeah, no, it's just that, um, surely if you're speaking about shared history and respecting the diversity of culture, uh, if you have a shared history, can is it not possible then to respect that each country in the past has had its own individual history and therefore deserves to, like, see what has happened in the past in their own countries and see these artifacts which represent their own individual histories. I'm not challenging the fact that now there is a shared history, but I would contend that now these countries deserve to see what has happened in the past as you talk so much about how the past is important and respecting the past is important as they've had such a separate past. They should remind themselves of the separate past through their own artifacts being in their own countries. Sorry, do so you want to add anything and then I'm going to throw out to you? Yeah, I just feel that they'd be like so much better appreciated with the context of their like origins, their original setting, compared to how they'd be in like, compared to like with pictures that aren't going to suffice to the actual Parthenon. Yeah. Okay, um, so it seems like the, the, the cultural artifacts have come a lot closer to home. Guys, can I see a show of hands? Those of you who'd like to ask our two teams questions. Yeah, start with you, I promise, yeah. Louder, louder. Sorry, Ben Porter, Thank you. 
Um, so before I take someone who I've already taken the question from, is there anyone who hasn't yet spoken who'd like to speak? And I would like to remind you all, there's a best individual prize up for grabs. It's very glam. <laughs> no, all right. Uh, Roman Foley, some Collins. Um, I point to the proposition. Wouldn't you say artifacts are also better off in places that can give them the analysis they deserve in order to give us a better understanding of our world? Uh, countries like Egypt that you've mentioned and Greece simply don't have financial resources to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said in your, Thank you. Okay, um, so both teams have a lot of issues that have come up in the course of the debate um, that you don't have a very a huge amount of time to deal with. I'm now going to ask you to go into your final one minute summations or tap on the table at 30 seconds when you're halfway through them. Um, in the same order that you originally spoke, Therese, could we hear with you first? Yeah, uh, well, the Western world's heritage is not of like theft of, and violence. Our heritage could be considered like our discovery of penicillin, which is like a war-winning cure, or our establishment of parliamentary democracy, which allowed the abolishment of slavery, which was a millennia-long system. And in failing to repatriate, it opposes all these great things that we've done. So uh, if we do choose to repatriate that, repatriate, that does become a part of our heritage. Thank you very much. Can we please thank Therese? Peter, your final minute, please. I'd just like to begin by coming back to this question about the Native American land. And again, we've seen that this is a very contentious issue. But at the end of the day, land is not an artifact. Land, uh, an artifact is a sort of tangible object, which we are saying that could be stored in museums. And I don't think land is the, the crux of this argument that we're dealing with today. The past is a strange world, and our ancestors had different morals, customs, and most importantly, a different understanding of law than we do. However, this means that we cannot condemn them as being lawless societies. We cannot view the past with a condescending 21st century lens. And ladies and gentlemen, culture is a mishmash of different societies and countries. We cannot say, for example, that the Nefertiti bus should be returned to Egypt just because it is Egyptian. Ancient Egypt was a massive commercial hub. There were probably Greek influences, other North African influences in that very creation of the Nefertiti bust in the first place. We all have a shared history. We cannot attribute Thank these artifacts to one Pizza. place. Annie, your final speech, please. Yeah, um, a lot's been said uh, this evening about how um, artifacts are, if you will, humanity's heritage, uh, which is quite inconvenient if Scotland should wish to play a game of chess with the Lewis Chessmen. Um, in answer to the question that was asked about uh, complicated artifacts and where they should be uh, repatriated to, well, in my opinion, these complicated artifacts require a more in-depth debate to decipher where they should be returned to, and it can't be deciphered on the spot. 
Um, and in answer to the question that was asked about the finance, uh, which is currently held by Greece and other countries, which uh, we are proposing that the artefacts should be returned to, they may not have the finance now, but if you listen to the points made from by the other team about how much money is made by Britain from these artefacts, surely the countries would then have the money if the artefacts were returned to them. Um, and in summary, during World War II, the Nazis pillaged and stole many artefacts from I countries. I have to stop you there, but thank you very much, Annie. Finally, Jack. Um, I'd like to say, firstly, those chess pieces, Scandinavian made and buried in what was then the Kingdom of Norway, not Scottish. Um, I'd like to address uh, what I see as the key issue. How we as a species are treating our heritage. Each year, almost 1.5 times the population of Ireland passes through the British Museum, the fourth highest of any museum globally. Each one of those individuals comes away seeing the world that bit more connected. They see those starving in Eastern Africa, those being forced to flee their homes in Syria and Afghanistan, and even those holding the guns and forcing them to flee, not as some alien other, but as human beings. Someone they can relate to, someone who is the same product of the same cultural history as they are. Gathering these works together in one locale is not greed, but a rare chance to draw together the many individual cultural traditions of the world, the first step in transcending arbitrary cultural and national boundaries, which are the causes of so many of today's conflicts. Thank you very much, Peter. I really enjoyed that, um, but judges, can we focus first on Oak Grove Integrated uh, and we'll take your feedback for them, Jordan, starting with you if we can. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I thought you raised all the right moral and ethical issues and I thought you let them away with murder because they were talking about museums and archives and things don't have morality or ethics, people have morality and ethics. And I thought you could have really pushed them on that. And then the, there was that issue that Jack brought up about the Lewis chess set. Nations change. And to argue from the point of view of a national, uh, of, a, of, a, of a map, uh, that nations are static and therefore you turn things to where they belong. Uh, as Jack showed, you know, that the chess set has this interesting kind of identity. And also Scotland voted to stay in the UK. That's the other problem. I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought you did a vigorous job, and I thought you, you really were on the right lines with the moral and ethical issues. I just think you should have pushed these guys to talk about people, not about things. Thank you, Marie Louise. If you could take your feedback, um, please. Yeah, I have a few points. I, I sort of had similar point to John, um, that you know people look at this argument, and your side of the argument was a moral issue. There's you know there's no as you said there's no stats to back it up, and it was very very good closing saying that. I can't remember what, what it was, but at the end you were like, it's 100% sure that people deserve this. That was very, very strong, but I sort of think that if you have an argument that's based purely on morals, you need to use stronger language. You need to be more, like, I think, um, you used the word disrespectfully quite a lot, and I sort of thought, you need to be saying, they're going in there and they're taking it right from their bare hand. You know, if it is based, you know, you can base an argument on stats and that's fine, but yours doesn't have stats as you mentioned. So I sort of think that it needs to be a bit more forceful, a bit more weight behind, a bit more weight behind the morals if you can have that. Um, a sort of the response to judges again, good. I think your rebuttal, one of your sort of, um, you rebutted and you answered the question, but you also sort of picked up 
on points that they've made previously. So it's yes, Grand, there's your question, there's your answer. But you said this earlier, and that feeds into. I thought there was quite a good sort of worming around there. Um, did sort of have a comment on the actual delivery. I sort of I know it's not a sort of thing, but I think with um, maybe just speaking a bit louder, it was sort of straining to hear. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Maybe work a bit more peaceably as a team. You didn't really mention your other team yet, but. Otherwise, it was good. Thank you. Uh, Gerard, finally. Well, I think I, I, the other two judges were saying actually what I would want to say. I thought that you know, obviously there's evidence that you put a lot of work and a lot of thought into your argument. Um, very relevant and very salient points. The one thing I would talk say about your delivery, you need to really raise the tempo. Um, and I don't, I don't want to deal with the other team, but the tempo was much higher and with the other team. So, you, you know, your moral argument may get lost if your delivery is not right. Okay? That's what that one thing is, uh, I would say to you. Um, uh, well, that's really it. Gerard, would you like to start us off uh, with our feedback for St. Collins? Well, I think the word passion really would uh, somewhat really very clear, very passionate argument. Um, good factual counter argument. You came back really with very good, you know, it was very factual. Uh, Jack, you need to be careful with your passion, because your passion could be misinterpreted as arrogance. I just, I just say that to you. And it would make them an issue argument, relevant issue argument for me to be. And, and I would take issue one more thing. I live on a farm, Jack. Um, and, you know, if it is cultural, I regard it as cultural. Shima Sini from your alma mater would be, in many of us, many of us, poetry. Not to say that I would know anything about poetry, but oh. uh, that is really based on his experience on the land. So it does, it's a cultural catalyst as opposed to a matter Thank you. And John, your feedback, please. Yeah, I've got two points to make and one to each of you. I got you on the Nazis. <laughs> you, you conceded the game. Sorry. And Jack, you, you shot yourself in the foot, unfortunately, metaphor about that Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, where you got a bit confused about what side you're on. And uh, you were talking about send, you know, these, these, these artifacts. Uh, uh, the, prob the problem is the Jewish state was based on migration to a possible land. So uh, the Jewish state, the, the, it's about people. The, those, those Jews, their artifacts came from everywhere else. And you got confused because you were focusing on buildings and you forgot that the Jews were coming from all over Europe to populate Palestine, it was formerly part of Palestine. And it really was the point that you guys should have come in and told them, you know, what about this? This is a human argument. And Jack started arguing for you, don't blame me for this, about that. But he was arguing for the wrong side for a moment. So, and that was your passion, of course, because you were a one trick pony, really, about, about the British Museum and the numbers and all that. That statistic, we can quote lots of better statistics about the impact of the human misery that comes from colonial exploitation. And so, you know, I think there's, a, that's, we're back to the same argument, isn't it? Humans versus artifacts and things. Thank you. Finally, Marie-Louise. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was very good. I thought it worked very well as a team, sort of like referring back to each other and each other's points as well. Um, I think that you, as yeah, Jack, um, you ended and you brought in a new fact, which is something that people sort of remember. They remember your closing speech and it was very strong. And the fact that you ended on a moral sort of thing, I think you maybe should have brought that in a wee bit more throughout your speech. You know, it was your closing, your closing sort of sentence. Um, I did have a few things of that I 
think he sort of made like a ma what I've written about a massive generalisation of these countries are not safe. These countries will they will not be looked after. Um, and I, I see where you're coming from, but I think sort of like throwing generalisations out there, it's, you're sort of throwing open to sort of like just a bit of attack. Um, I think you sort of projected responses as well that whenever whenever somebody asked you a question, you sort of in your head went, I know what they're going to say back and I have something for that, so it's very quick. Um, and something else, but I think with questions, like I know you ended a sentence with blah blah blah, it just is. And I sort of think that like that's very pigeonholed yourself, pigeonholed your argument in that saying that, you know, the Native American land as well, saying that it's it's not a cultural thing full stop. It's very closed off and it's sort of I know I know I'm sort of sort of contradict myself, like don't leave yourself too open, but at the same time you can't just sort of close off um, as we ask them to leave the room um, to find a quiet spot and make their decision, can we please thank our judges for their questions? And when they're out of the room, we'll have a just for fun audience vote. So, doors closed. Again, vote with your conscience, not with your mates. Can I see a show of hands, those of you uh, who felt Oak Grove Integrated College convinced you Western museums should agree to repatriate cultural artefacts? Hands now. Nine. Can I see a show of hands against uh, St. Columns College that we shouldn't, we should keep them? So I think the majority of the room has it with St. Columns, um, but has no bearing on the final decision. Um, can we please thank both of our teams? I believe will be our spokesperson of our panel. Can we please have the reasoning behind the decision and then uh, who you think won that debate? Okay, um, I think, not really sure what I meant to add with the three, the three sort of judges' comments. I think there's something I forgot to say as well is that um, the proposition, I think, with your prepared speeches, I feel like this debate was quite prepared. And although that's not a bad thing, I think sort of. Um, Fending off questions and taking on new arguments, on, taking new arguments on board is a bit uh, is a bit trickier if you sort of have a set thing that you want to say. Um, I think proposition um, you did you did very very well, and I think again with maybe the delivery is just needs to be a bit stronger. Um, the thing I forgot to mention was the open-ended questions. Is that whenever you whenever you had your prepared speech, you know you said the opposition are going to say this, but. By saying that three or four times, you're giving them arguments. You're literally doing their job for them. And I think if the proposition or if the opposition had been less prepared, they could have used that to their advantage and been, oh well, here's all of our arguments, we don't need to. 
So I did think, I thought it was a very, very good debate. I thought it was very, um, very sort of, uh, um, you had a point and you were taken from before and you're sort of like trying to get everything into um, your, your response. I think with John said was a big point was made of um, Nazis and sort of pilfering or thieving or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I did think that did, that tripped you up um, for the opposition. But apart from that, re really, really good debate. I thought very, very good. And I know we were all impressed anyway about the, the actual co the content, um, as well as the majority of the delivery for most of the points. So um, it's very good. And our winner for this evening, well, for this round of this evening, is um, St. Collins and Derry. Um, so, commiserations to Oakgrove, but I thought we learned a lot from your contributions, and this is really, you know, what this process is all about. It's about standing up in a room and explaining uh, a set of opinions to people who may never have, you know, seriously in-depth thought about where the artefacts in museums might come from, or, or, you know, what ethics we might attach or appropriate to them, and you did an absolutely fantastic job of that. Uh, can we please thank the Oakgrove So, um, we're now going to go get a little brain food. We'll have a tea break, which will be served in the door that's furthest down the corridor. Um, and we'll get everyone back here. You've got about 15 minutes, so we'll get back everyone, everyone back in here for about 7.30. Oh,